Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field, and his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown. He's running around, circling, and look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, Canyon Drake! A miracle! My brain hurts. We're three weeks in. Three weeks complete, I should say, to the 2019 NFL season. Welcome to Fin It to Win It. I'm Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, lead editor at USA Today's Dolphins Wire. And uh, I, like an idiot, went to Dallas this past weekend to watch the Dolphins play in person. So I booked this trip probably back in June, maybe early July. And if you listen to the show back then, um, I had a little bit more optimism around the team uh, with the reason being I foolishly bought into what Brian Flores and company were selling, which was, no, this team isn't deliberately tanking. You know, we may take a step backwards, but we're going to put a point of emphasis on draft capital and, and smart decisions with contracts, but we're not going to you know tear everything apart. And this team still had Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil. And, you know, I'd felt, you know, that getting rid of Ryan Tannehill, no matter who you brought in, was going to be an upgrade and was optimistic for Josh Rosen. And we'll talk about Josh Rosen in just a minute. Uh, and then obviously this team kind of did an about face where they, they stockpiled all of these busts from other places that were top 100 picks and uh, cut most of them before the start of the season. And it was very apparent uh, the week before the season started when it it was time for the 53-man cuts to come uh, that the Dolphins were were not looking to kind of have their cake and eat it too. They they were going to lose this year. So I'm looking at the schedule, and I I know this trip is coming up, and I'm just dreading it because Dallas, even before Dak Prescott started playing out of his mind good for the Cowboys this year, has one of the best rosters in the NFL, legitimate Super Bowl contender. And then the Baltimore Ravens game happens, and then the New England Patriots game happens, and it's like Wednesday before the Cowboys game about this time last week, really. And uh, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, God, I have to get on this plane and fly four hours to watch the Dolphins just get their face punched in. And then the Dolphins did it about face and they made it interesting for me again by naming Josh Rosen the starting quarterback. And that's kind of where I want to focus my attention on last week's game. 
I mentioned this on last week's show. I'm not going to invest a ton of time unless it's relevant information for how this team progresses into the future, recapping games on a weekly basis. Uh, there's, there's so much content out there. USA Today's Dolphins Wire has a ton of it. I want to spend time focusing energy on where this team can go from here on a week-by-week basis based on the inf- information that we're being presented with. And Josh Rosen's first start. I can say I was in the building for Josh Rosen's first start as Miami Dolphins. And if you just looked at the stat sheet, you would assume Josh Rosen had a pretty crappy day. Under 50% completion percentage, I believe 39 pass attempts for 200 yards. So his yardage per attempt is in the fives, not very good. But then you watch the game and you get the context of like, before Jesse Davis went out, with an injury, and they had to move Michael Dieter, a rookie from Wisconsin who's got like 31-inch arms from guard to tackle. Uh, Rosen looked comfortable in the pocket. He was standing in comfortably. Miami could get no push in the running game. Again, color me stunned. Uh, and, and Rosen threw some dimes. Uh, I know there was some some kickback and feedback that uh, the seam ball that he threw to Alan Hearns was a little late. Uh, which I do agree with. Uh, If there was a little bit more anticipation, uh, that ball probably gets out on time. Hearns probably catches it, but still gets his clock cleaned. I mean, Hearns went to the hospital after the game. So he took a really nasty shot. I think it might be Rosen's worst ball of the day, to be honest. You look at, they're in the red zone, and they run a a slant concept with Parker with clear outs to kind of open up space underneath. And Rosen... Puts a ball on a line. You know, target's probably six yards downfield. Uh, Rosen didn't gaslight him or nuke the ball in there, but he threw it with, with force. You know, give, give your guy an opportunity to turn his eyes upfield and maximize the window that's in front of him to catch the ball. Parker drops the ball. Could have walked in for a touchdown. The Preston Williams uh, throw, in which he does a really nice job putting that ball right over the shoulder, the defender, and Preston Williams. Preston Williams gets both hands on it, ball into the gut, takes three steps, can't secure it, going to the ground, it's incomplete. Rosen had two touchdowns dropped on him, in addition to a litany of other mistakes made by other players on the team, which just make you want to pull your hair out. Like stu- like Brian Flores talks about the takes-no-talent uh, mentality, Uh I hope that they just build those walls, those TNT walls, at every corner of the facility because the amount of mental mistakes Kenyon Drake not putting the ball away in a four-point football game right before half down inside the red zone. What are you doing? Like Those are the kind of stupid mistakes that are going to be part of the reason why Kenyon Drake's not the feature back here and why Kenyon Drake might not be a Miami Dolphin next year or by the trade deadline if you can get some interest for him. I'll give Drake credit. He stuck Robert Quinn on a pass rush off the left side. It was beautiful. Quinn ended up getting his revenge game that he was looking for. Joke's on them because Taco Charlton got a revenge sack against Dak Prescott, too. But Rosen this past week, after the start, uh, was asked about the situation in Miami. If there's any silver lining to playing with an offense that is effectively bad. it was That's not how the question was asked or posed, but it's effectively what they were asking, saying, you know, the 
be a lot easier to play behind an offensive line that had some all-pro guys on it. Uh, you've probably got three or four guys that you know, ideally aren't starting at the NFL level on your offensive line right now. What can you take away from that? And I really appreciated Josh's answer. Josh, I'll give you the verbatim quote from Rosen when asked, is there a benefit to playing behind a, quote, bad offensive line? Josh said, I think the re- a lot of the reason why Tom Brady and a lot of these great quarterbacks, Drew Brees, uh, all play for so long, uh, before referencing that Drew Brees did uh, get hurt this year for the first time in forever, uh, is because they can get the ball out so quickly. So they're not really taking that many hits, and they understand defenses so well. So it could take some of the stress off their offensive line and get the ball in their playmakers' hands and let them make plays. I think in situations like this, a.k.a. Miami and the offensive line here, where maybe you have to push that clock a little bit, I think it could be really good for my development as it has been up until this point. Which, if you think about who Josh Rosen was coming out of UCLA, he was a guy that loved to hold the ball, loved to push the ball down the field, loved to try and make things happen vertically. And then you think about the Arian-style offense that they had, I know Bruce Arians wasn't there, but in Arizona last year under defend, or uh, under head coach Steve Wilkes and Byron uh, Lefwich, who's now Arians' offensive coordinator in Tampa, they tried to do the same thing, but they didn't have the offensive line to do it. So in that case, Rosen's standing back there, and he's getting hammered. And I thought, if you looked at the Rosen we watched against Dallas versus the Rosen that we watched last year in Tampa Bay and at UCLA... He was a much quicker decision maker. Uh, he was much more effective inside of 10 yards and, and taking what the defense gives him more and more and more and more. And I think that's a fascinating development for Josh Rosen's career because as he himself points out, increasing that internal clock to the speed in which, A, the Dolphins would want it, but even exponentially more on top of that, what the offensive line is going to force him to do to be an effective passer at this level right now on this team, that can unlock a lot for Josh Rosen, a guy who is so smart. Instead of, all right, I I want to take the ball down the field, instead saying, okay, well, this is what they're giving us, so let's get into that situation, and I'm going to give it to him right away. I really think the, the longer this goes, you know, if, if Josh Rosen plays to the degree in which he played against Dallas every single game from here on out the rest of the way throughout the season, he's going to get a softer schedule. Miami's played the Ravens, the, the Patriots, and the Cowboys, three teams that are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. They're going to get a, a team against the L.A. Chargers coming to town who's probably going to be a little out of sync offensively because Melvin Gordon's going to be back. Uh, the offensive line there is not very good, but the good news is for the Chargers, the Dolphins don't have a viable pass rush whatsoever. We'll see what Taco Charlton can add to that uh, component going forward starting uh, this week. And now that he's got a little bit of time under his belt as a member of the Dolphins, he's been with the team for a week today. Um, but for Rosen specifically in the offensive line, I think the Chargers are a more stiff test because they have Joey Bosa. Just glad I called him Joey. I've been mixing him and his brother Nick up like for six months now. Uh, Melvin Ingram is also present there. 
So that pass rush presence off the edge, it's really going to come down to can this interior offensive line kind of stand up with a little bit of a backbone and give Josh an area to step up into the pocket? Because I thought Josh did a nice job of that against Dallas too, sliding within the pocket. No, he, he's not a, he wasn't a, it wasn't a world-beating performance, and obviously the Dolphins scored six points. But they feasibly could have had 10 more and been to 16 if guys make plays for them, and then a couple mistakes here and there, you're talking about the difference between six points and 20 points. Um, but if Rosen can be afforded the opportunity to step up in the pocket and continue to make quick decisions, he can minimize the impact of those two outside pass rushers. And if he does that, I'm going to be super optimistic to see what the rest of the season looks like. I don't want to base it on a one-game sample size because that's not fair to the team. It's not fair to Josh. But we saw a two-game sample size with Ryan Fitzpatrick that was straight booty cheeks. I don't want to see that from Josh Rosen. I do not want to see the ineptitude that Ryan Fitzpatrick brought to the offense, no matter how good his body language was or the fact that he was throwing guys open in practice. You know, when, when it's live, what do you do? And if Rosen gives me the same performance against another stiff test for a playoff contending team, I'm going to feel great about where Josh Rosen's at relative to where we saw him at the beginning when he was first brought in for minicamps, when people are, who are in attendance are telling us he can't hit a 10-yard out. Just because the smoke's pouring out of his ears, he's trying to think about so much stuff. He's done a really nice job to this point quickening his process, which he himself acknowledges is something that's essential for his development as a football player. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about another big variable of Miami's future, not necessarily like a cornerstone piece, but a big part of the appeal for what the Dolphins did this offseason and letting Jawan James walk away in free agency and not spending on big free agent contracts at the beginning of the free agent window was the fact that Jawan James was going to net you a very high compensatory pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. And by the time it was all said and done, James was forecasted to give Miami a third-round pick. And the third-round pick's a top 100 selection. It's a lot to be excited about. And ever since they changed the rule and made those, those assets tradable, an extra third-round pick that you can trade as part of a move up or down or, or packaging it with something else, that's a big deal. Um... But that pick is now in jeopardy, and the reason why it's in jeopardy is part of the reason why the Dolphins probably had such an easy time, I don't want to say easy time, but why the Dolphins were so staunch in the line that they drew in the sand for what they were willing to pay Juwan James versus what they were not. And that is durability. Uh, Juwan James suffered a knee injury in week one. He's missed all but one game to this point in the season. And if Juwan James misses enough time, the Dolphins could potentially be penalized and have this compensatory pick knocked down from a third-round pick to potentially a fourth-round pick, which might not sound like a bad or a, a, such a terrible thing, but it's a difference of probably 40 spots in the draft order, potentially, that you now pick later because Juwan James can't stay healthy. He's got a knee issue. Uh, it's cost him time. If he misses, uh, I think the forecast is from overthecap.com, which does a nice job with projecting compensatory picks. The science there is not official, 
the the actual formula is not released, but they've kind of been able to reverse engineer a lot of it uh, to kind of give you an idea of what decision making what that decision making process looks like for the NFL. Uh, Nick Court of Over the Cap uh, is projecting that. If James misses more than six games, a.k.a. nearly half the season, the value of the loss that Miami incurred and that Denver picked up for that signing would be minimized enough that the NFL would downgrade the Dolphins' loss of James in free agency from a third-round pick value to a fourth-round pick value. So on top of everything else that we have going on for us, Right? We have the Dolphins themselves who are trying to lose. You might as well get on the bandwagon. We have the Houston Texans' first-round pick. We want to root for them to lose. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers' first-round pick. We want to root for them to lose. We have the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints' second-round pick. We want to root for them to lose. Now we also need to root for Jawan James to get healthy and get back on the football field because we need James to play the games in order for his value to be deemed that necessary so Miami doesn't get a fourth-round pick, they get a top 100 pick, which would currently sit sometime after 96. You know, between 96 and I think 105 is kind of the strike zone for what they have for compensatory picks this year. It's a big deal. So Dolphins fans, write it down. I know we got a long list of stuff that we're trying to see happen this year, and we have a rooting interest in that's not just the team, go ahead and add Juwan James's health to that list. All right, guys. A few of us here at Blue Wire use Harry's razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all the different shave sets and face care products that they have to offer. You can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality durable blades at a fair price at just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. This fall, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners to Fin It to Win It can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing, go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. And don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. I actually started with MyBookie uh, last season and had some modest success, so cashed out. Threw $100 in at the beginning of the year this year, and we've kind of hovered. You know, right now I'm up 35 bucks on the year. I put $100 in. So I'm doing all right for myself if I do say so myself. Join in on all the fun. MyBookie will double your first deposit if you do. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, 
you get paid. I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about what we have to finish today's show. We're going to look, because it got done before the break, talking about what we're rooting for and mention the Houston Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what I'd like to do, Pittsburgh Steelers are 0-3, Houston Texans are 2-1. and I'd like to try and forecast where these teams end up finishing so that we can have an idea, some semblance of an idea, realistic idea, of where exactly in the draft order these teams are going to be picking. You know, not necessarily the science of, well, they're 4-12, and 12, they're guaranteed to have the fifth pick. But if we know the record, I think it can be pretty illuminating. So I want to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 4, uh, here's the good news. They play the Bengals. Somebody has to win this football game. And even if somebody doesn't win this football game, and we just tie this football game, guess what? 0-16 is worse than 0-15-1. So, this is a win-win situation for the Dolphins because they're going to have somebody that gets out of their way. And I think the Steelers at home on Monday Night Football bless the NFL deciding to make this a primetime game to begin with. Even if all the teams were completely healthy, this is a terrible matchup. Steelers win at home against the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football. Uh, The next two games that they play are against playoff contenders that the Dolphins will have already played, the Baltimore Ravens and the LA Chargers. I don't think the Steelers have enough offensively without Ben Roethlisberger this year to be able to keep pace with those teams. They have the bye week seven, and then coming out of the bye, they're at home on Monday Night Football playing your Miami Dolphins. And while I think this game will be a stink fest, Again, coming out of the bye against a bad team at home in primetime, which the Dolphins consistently played terrible football, I think the Steelers win that game. So that would put the Steelers at 2-5 and five through Week 8. Continuing to work our way through, the Colts, they look promising with Jacoby Brissett. He's not lighting the world on fire, but he's, he's kind of even-keeled. I'm, I'm impressed with, with, with how consistent he's been through three games for the Indianapolis Colts. Give me the Colts to win in Pittsburgh. And then the Steelers have to play the Rams coming off the bye. Steelers ain't winning that game. I don't care that you got to come across the country. On a short week, then, the Steelers have to go on the road and play the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. You ain't winning that game either. You know, I know the Browns are struggling, but Thursday Night Football consistently, when it's a short week, especially having to play the Rams beforehand, give me the Browns to win that game. Cincinnati then hosts the Steelers the following week, who are on a three-game losing streak. Give me the Steelers in an upset to beat the Bengals. Bad football team. But then I do think the Browns defeat them the following week. Now we're at the, the Steelers at 3-9. and nine. Okay, This is developing quite nicely for Dolphins fans. Let's make no mistake. If you're a Steelers fan, I'm sorry. It's, it's a rough year all around. Right? They lost their offensive line coach. They lost Ben Roethlisberger. Those two things are looming very large. They lost Antonio Brown. So you kind of have to reshuffle the entire deck of your wide receivers. It's a mess right now offensively for the Steelers. It's honestly a mess. Uh, Week 14, they play the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. I could see the Steelers winning this game. 
I think they have a much better defense. Give me the Steelers to win on the road for four and nine. But then they have to play the Bills, who are trending in the right direction. They have a physical offensive line. They're running the ball pretty well. Josh Allen's making enough explosive plays. I think the Bills can go into Heinz Field this year specifically and beat the Steelers. We have another game that's beneficial for the Dolphins no matter what. Steelers at Jets. Take your pick. Sam Darnold should be back at this point. It would be very Adam Gase to win a meaningless late December game and ruin status for his team. Let's go ahead and say that the Jets win this football game. Okay, I could see it going the other way. And then week 17, the Steelers have to play the Baltimore Ravens, who are going to be in the thick of the playoff hunt. They're looking for playoff positioning. I think they're a better team this year. I've just predicted the Steelers to go 4-12. and Where are the pitfalls here? Where are the games that I predicted the Steelers lose that they could, that they could win? I mean, technically, they could win any of them. Do we think... Any of them are realistic. I have the Steelers losing from here on out to the Ravens twice. think that happens. The Chargers, the Rams, the Colts, the Browns twice, and the Bills. Maybe they steal one from the Browns. Maybe they steal the one from the Jets, too. But even if they steal both of those, or one of those two against the Browns, and they steal that game against the Jets, you're talking 6-10. and 10. 4-12 and 12 is going to put you inside the top 8 picks. Remember, the Dolphins traded Minka, or drafted Minka Fitzpatrick at 11, and the Steelers traded their one for Minka while being 0-2, losing to the 49ers, and now still having to play the Ravens twice, the Chargers, the Rams, the Browns twice, and the Jets, and the Colts as potential playoff teams. It's going to get ugly. And that's great news for Miami. I would expect that to be a top eight pick when it's all said and done. Great news. What about the Houston Texans, though? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to do the exact same exercise for the 2-1 Houston Texans who lost week one in a game they should have won but didn't. New Orleans Saints pulled it out with that miraculous two, uh, two lead changes in the last 50 seconds of the game. Uh, Deshaun Watson, with the help of Laramie Tunsil, organized a drive down the field through touchdown pass to Kenny Stills. Saints come down the field in like 20 seconds, kick a game-winning like 55-yard field goal. Texans then beat the Jaguars on a uh, missed two-point conversion at the end of the game from Jacksonville in the final seconds to win by one point. And the Texans just beat the Chargers in a game in which the Chargers had early control of the football game. So a little bit of a misleading two-and-one. The last two games, the Texans very easily could have lost. Where does that put them in the grand scheme of things? Well, they have the Panthers this week. And the Panthers missing Cam Newton. It's honestly probably a good thing for Cam Newton and the Panthers that Cam's sitting out uh, because he was so hurt. He was really struggling to drive the football. I don't think it matters. I think the Texans win that football game. And then the Texans have the Atlanta Falcons who are looking to be banged up again. Uh, I, I don't think the pass rush for the Falcons is going to be enough to really harass Deshaun Watson and safety Keanu Neal has a, an Achilles injury uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. So give me the Texans to win that as well. The Texans then have to go on the road and play the Chiefs. That's an L. Let's call a spade a spade here. 
the Chiefs probably going to lose two or three football games tops this year. One of them will not be at home to the Texans, who are riding high on a four-game win streak. A little bit of a letdown coming. Texans then the following week go on the road playing the Colts, coming off the bye. I like the Colts. The Colts, before the Andrew Luck retirement, were a team that I would not have been surprised to see playing in the AFC Championship game. Coming off the bye, tough loss the following week, give me a Colts win here. Texans are 5-3. and three. Texans then, they're going to get a nice bounce back. They have to play the Oakland Raiders at home. They will win that football game. Then they go to London and they play the Jaguars. They're a better team than Jacksonville. Is Nick Foles back at this point? Is Gardner Minshew still dealing? I think there's enough questions and variables there that I think in a tightly contested game, I do think the Texans will give them the benefit of the doubt. The following week, they're on the bye. They're at 6-3. and three. So it's not looking great for Dolphins' purposes, but it's looking good for the Texans and their investments and looking to move forward. Next three games is a tough stretch. they got to play Baltimore coming off the bye in Baltimore. I think because it's in Baltimore, I will give the Ravens and their tough defense, Matt Judon, their outside linebacker, like Galen Balaj knows him well, if you look back to the game that the Dolphins played week one, uh, give me the Ravens to win that football game. But then on a short week, divisional opponent, the Colts, Texans host on Thursday night football, which is huge for them. And then they get 10 days to prep to play the New England Patriots at home. Very easily a losable game for the Houston Texans. But because they have a little bit of extra preparation time, let's give them a win just for the sake of seeing the Patriots lose a game. Let's be honest. Because if you try to go game by game and pick the Patriots to lose, you'd probably end up picking them to win all their games just because that's what we're so exposed to. Texans then host the Broncos. That's the win. Broncos low-key, one of the worst teams in football. Was really interesting. They brought in Vic Fangio uh, to be a safe coach. They brought in Joe Flacco to kind of stabilize the offense as a veteran presence. The defense is not rushing the passer well, which is Vic Fangio's M.O., and the offense is not doing diddly-poo, which shouldn't surprise you if you've actually watched Joe Flacco play. But anyway, I digress. Win for the Texans. Another three-game win streak for Houston. They're putting wins together in bunches. At this point, they're 9-4 and four with three easily winnable games to go, but I do think they will drop one of those games. They play a divisional opponent at home, the, te- the Tennessee Titans hosting. I think the Titans will have a lot on the line as a team that's going to be fringe. You know, they're going to be like 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, 7-9. And seven, seven and they're 1-2 and two right now. Give me the Titans in an upset to break the three-game win streak to drop them to 9-5. and five. But then the Texans' last two games are at Tampa Bay, winnable game, and at home against the Titans. I'm looking at 10-11 wins. You know, we gave them the Patriots game. If the Patriots end up winning that game at home with the Texans having the extra days of prep, Texans are 10-6. and six. If the Texans win that game like we discussed and everything else goes quote-unquote according to plan... The Texans are looking at 11-5, which will put Miami picking somewhere in the mid-20s. So if Miami's tank goes to plan, they have the first pick. They're going to have a 5-11, 6-10 Pittsburgh Steelers team that will be picking inside the top 10. And then a 10-6, 11-5 Houston Texans team, which will be picking 
as a playoff team, probably not making a super deep run into the playoffs, but nonetheless, a pick in the 20s. There are greener pastures ahead for the Miami Dolphins, and it all revolves around the 2020 NFL Draft. And the responsibility of these teams to help the Dolphins get set up to make some successful picks. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll talk about options for the Dolphins in the draft in the coming weeks. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening to Fin It to Win It.